Welcome to the Seller Scale Podcast, a podcast dedicated to Amazon FBA businesses, the people, and the stories behind them. Brought to you by Seller Scale, the number one financial analytics dashboard for Amazon sellers. Hey, TJ, welcome to the show. Hey, Sergio, thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, thanks for, thanks for agreeing to do this. Uh, can you just give us a bit of context? I mean, when you meet an average Amazon seller, let's say at a conference or anywhere you go to, how do you typically introduce yourself and explain what uh, your business does in plain terms? Sure. So uh, as an introduction, I, I usually say, obviously, my name is TJ Highland. I head up partnerships uh, at Payoneer, responsible for, for the U.S. region. Um, so partnerships are what it really means is uh, we are bringing together companies like SellerScale in this case to be part of our ecosystem. So, you know, whether it's part of the selling online internationally or selling online in, in general, businesses that play a, a key role in, in seller success. So right. a VAT company, a shipping company, translation, ad management, financial management, all really have, you know, a key part in making a seller go from, from here up to the top. Yeah, but you don't just work with Amazon sellers, right? So you have sellers of different types. Of course, and that's that's something I, I always say is I, I always talk about Amazon uh, because, you know, it's kind of a baseline where everyone sells. But from a marketplace perspective, you know, Payoneer, we, we work with hundreds of marketplaces around the world. So Walmart, Amazon, sure. But, you know, in Latin America, we have Mercado Libre and Grupo Exito and uh, – What's the other one there? But then in, in Europe, there's Frugo and Rakuten and C Discount that we all work with. So yes, Amazon's probably what, what everyone's most familiar with. But you know, if you are selling on any real global marketplace, we can absolutely help with, with our currency solution there. Right. And uh, I mean, you mentioned that you do help uh, sellers operating on the international level, right? Receiving international cross-border payments and revenues. Uh, I wonder what are some of the challenges that uh, Payoneer helps uh, these businesses solve and what solutions are you currently offering e-commerce entrepreneurs? Sure. So I find that the biggest challenge that, that we have even before getting there is that there's a big education portion to it, especially for, for US-based sellers. There's, if you are selling, say, in the UK, uh, you absolutely have the ability to put your US dollar bank account into the marketplace and the marketplace will take the pounds that you earn and convert them back to dollars. Uh, and it, to you as a seller, it looks easy. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, but in reality, you're getting hit with a pretty hefty fee on the, on the currency exchange. Um, yeah. So education's one. The problem that we're solving is you know, helping people understand uh, especially Americans in this case, you know, Europeans are much more familiar with multi-currencies, uh, but U.S., you know, the whole world will accept dollars, you know, and China, right, right. UK suppliers, they'll accept dollars or, or even sometimes prefer dollars. So, you know, when what we're doing is really educating the market on the ability to, to receive and, and pay out in, in other currencies, which can ultimately help your, your bottom line. Um, additionally, another thing that we're helping sellers do is, and they have to make payments out. So the, the number one thing that uh, Payoneer does in, the, in this solution is our VAT portal. Uh, so when selling in, in the UK or in the EU, uh, it's mandatory for you to be registered and, and then thus to pay VAT. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're selling in the UK and in, and in Europe, 
you're going to get paid in pounds and euros. So with Payoneer, you can hold those pounds and euros and then pay directly to HMRC in the UK or any of the tax authorities in, throughout the EU directly with your Payoneer balance. Now, why that's important is because you're ultimately not converting back to dollars, then having to send an international bank wire and, and using mm -hmm. banks, which have traditionally higher exchange rates, you know, international bank wires from the US side typically are, you know, 30 to $40. So depending on your size, you could be a business making a VAT payment for just you know, a couple hundred dollars or less than a hundred dollars. Um, and, and then have to pay a $40, $50 fee on, on top of that. So if you were to use Payoneer in that solution or in that situation, you would be able to take your pounds, pay directly to, to HMRC or any European VAT authority absolutely for free. Yeah, totally makes sense. I totally understand why uh, this could be helpful for sellers. But I mean, you mentioned that if, let's say you're a US company and you're selling in the UK, so you have this revenue in pounds and you can store it in Payoneer to and use it to pay the local tax authorities and whatnot. But if you're operating in different countries, would you have like separate accounts in each country? So what we do is we, we are able to create accounts by currency. Um, Ultimately, if you wanted to have uh, a separate Payoneer, you know, within your main Payoneer account, a separate Euro account for Germany, France, Italy, and Spain, you could have that ability. Or, or if you were sell, selling in the Netherlands, for example, you could have the ability to have a different one for each, but it's kind of unnecessary. Uh, but when there is a different currency, so if you're selling in the UK and Canada and Mexico and Australia and Japan and the Europe, you'd have all six or seven of those currencies under one right. Payoneer account. Right. So, but basically you can operate without paying here, right? But you'll just uh, have a lot of, have to pay a lot of fees of oh, the Forex exchange back and forth. But Payoneer is this layer on top of the existing e-commerce infrastructure, basically. Is that how it works? Right. So absolutely. So, you know, like you said, if a seller was based in, in the U.S. or any of the main European countries, they, you will have the ability to transfer back into your home country. You know, some of the further reaching countries don't have the ability to do so. You'd have to use a service like Payoneer. Um, but in this case, in, in the case of a US-based seller selling into Europe, Payoneer is absolutely uh, a nice to have solution. It's not necessary, but it's it's nice to have the ability to, to create savings for you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you do mention on your LinkedIn that uh, Payoneer helps sellers by providing working capital to grow their business. Could you elaborate on this service? Uh, who is your typical customer and what kind of funding options are currently available for entrepreneurs? Sure. So uh, about a year ago, we launched our working capital product. It's called Capital Advanced. Uh, and it was created and designed out of customer feedback because Marketplace sellers were coming to us and, and talking to their account managers and saying, you know, they were having issues with cash flow, whether it's because of the payment terms from the marketplace, because they have low margins. And, you know, if they're a reseller, they're just trying to turn over as much profit as they are, as much product as they can. So they're trying to just get as much money to buy as much product. They know they'll be able to sell it, but they just aren't there right now or don't have the ability. So we created this working capital product designed specifically uh, at launch for Walmart and Amazon sellers. Uh, and what it is, is it's an advance based on your future receivables. So if you are a seller and for example, on Amazon US, you're receiving $100,000 a month. We would advance you up to $100,000 uh, 
if you are approved uh, pretty much immediately into your pay in your account. And then from there, in terms of repayment, uh, it's a flexible repayment model. So we're gonna collect back uh, towards repayment 35% of each payment that comes out from Amazon. Now that's not 35% as a fee, which some people like to think, so <laughs> yeah. I wanted to clarify. Um, the, fee, the fee actually is 3%. Uh, but it's 35% towards repayment. So each each disbursement you're getting in uh, $10,000, we're going to take $3,500 back um, towards okay. $100,000 and, and leave $6,500 for you to That's to like still the minimum payments, basically. Exactly. So, and, and the thing is, because it's a flexible repayment model where we're taking a percentage, it's not going to you know completely be a detriment to your business if your sales drop. Because you know, with a traditional loan, you have to pay a fixed amount each month. So right. you know, if if you run out of inventory or you, you know, whatever, have a have a really bad couple of weeks in, in sales, perhaps like something in the COVID situation where you couldn't get inventory to, to FBA over that period of time, you know, your sales are gonna drop. But because we're only taking a percentage of what the payouts are, you know, we're only going to take that same, you know, a smaller number of what you actually earn. So we're not gonna put set you back. Uh, or in the red at all, and and what that why that's good is because of the flexible and the, and the percentage that we're taking is that there's no fixed term on it. So uh, it averages out to be about a hundred day product right now. It could go longer if if needed. You could pay it off sooner if your sales are booming, um, and there's no penalty either way if you pay it off sooner or, or if it goes later. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great solution for businesses who are who want to scale because it's really hard to scale all the time, just reinvesting your profits. Uh, at some right. point, you do need to seek external financing. We actually had um, one entrepreneur on this podcast, a uh, founder of Nimble Seller. Uh, they're a Singaporean tech startup. They uh, how they're working is they're buying your inventory from supplier and then selling it back to you. Uh, it's, it's basically a financing option, uh, right. like you described, but, uh, and th they have a mission of making e-commerce completely capital free for entrepreneurs because a, a very big barrier to entry. I mean, Amazon, uh, is like e-commerce and training wheels, but there is this huge barrier to entry, uh, is that you need initial capital, right? So you need at least right. five or 10 grand just to get started. Uh, and you did mention that uh, you're looking at sales history. So because you want to base that on how, uh, on, on how much of a loan you can give to the seller, but do you work with the uh, new startups in the space? So there are some eligibility criteria uh, that you'd have to sort of pass in, in, in terms of getting an advance. Uh, I believe you have to be selling on either Amazon or Walmart for nine months. Uh, so the the minimum that we would advance is, is $2,500. Uh, so you kind of have to reach a point to get there. And, and what we're looking at, is, <clears throat> just to clarify, is not necessarily your sales history, but more your payout history. Uh, so after Amazon takes all their fees, what you walk away with. Um, right, yeah. right, right. So basically your bottom line. Right, so you know, it, it's not, exactly designed for sellers that are just looking to get started. You have to have some proven history of being a seller uh, and being successful before we would, would advance you. And that just really comes from our, our risk appetite. Right. And I mean, uh, we're talking about financing right now and there are sophisticated sellers who are listening and they understand why they need that. Right. But there are also a lot of new sellers who are afraid of debt, afraid of, uh, 
seeking financing and they, they worry about not repaying it ever. And I wonder uh, whether you have to deal with, with these common misconceptions about external financing and how, how do you go about explaining uh, these mi- mi- misconceptions to e-commerce entrepreneurs, if there are any? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's definitely some in terms of e-commerce entrepreneurs, but I, I would say that we have positioned our product and created it with e-commerce and online sellers in mind. And that, that's really the, the core of the product. And that's why I think it's best suited for this sort of business. You know, if you look at traditional bank loans or, or other alternative lenders, uh, they sometimes have a, they struggle to understand the idea of selling online and the idea of having an Amazon business and no, <clears throat> excuse me, no for sure, uh, profits coming in or, or sometimes I've heard that they say that you're too reliant on Amazon or on this marketplace to make your right. sales, which is not necessarily any different than a, than a traditional retail place. Like you're, you're reliant on foot traffic in reality, e-commerce, you're getting much more traffic than, than the foot traffic would on a, on a retail store. But what our product is, is, and, and some of the misconceptions surrounding it, um, or, or, kind of how we combat those misconceptions is that this is not a loan. Um, and it's, it's not, uh, you know, something that you're fixed and locked into for a year's time. And you have that, you know, monthly payment that is a burden holding all, you know, over your head the entire time. So this is a merchant cash advance. It's called an MCA. Uh, and it is a little bit different. <clears throat> it's more flexible. It's, it's more risky for us as a business, which is why if you look at, you know, the percentage, it, it, might look as a higher percentage than what you would get with a bank, but it is designed and created with seller's best interest in mind and, and uh, designed for sellers. Okay. Okay. Totally agree with you. Uh, but I mean, at what point should sellers consider financing? Um, is it a function of revenue in your opinion or um, something else like a product category? It's a really good question. And, and it's one that, that comes up often because w- there's, there's two sort of thoughts on it. There's, or there's many thoughts on it. It's if you are somewhat struggling and need to pivot, perhaps that's a time for you to say, okay, I've been selling these water bottles and you know, the demand just isn't there anymore. Maybe I pivot to towels and, and this category because home and home and home goods are, is booming right now. Or you are a really successful seller. Say you're in kitchen and, and you're selling pots and pans and yada yada and you want to advance and, and diversify or, or create a new product line to complement your existing solution so now you want to get into to cutlery and knives and spoons and stuff like that just to make your brand bigger because i think it ultimately depends on what your end goal is right so if your end goal is to sell then you want to you know create a, as marketable or as big of a business as you could to get your best return. But if we talk about somebody in the, in the first example where you're looking to pivot, that means you're, you're not right there yet and you do need help. So it's, it's whether you're, you're help from someone guiding you or help financially, you know where you're doing, you're just not getting the sales. Maybe you had the success, but you're kind of in a rut now and, and you can pivot and you can see that greater success down the line. Um, so I, I don't think there's a, you know, a, a one fit answer for that question. I think, it, it's very de- business dependent. Um, I know a lot of businesses should absolutely look at their unit economics that we were talking about before here. 
Um, you know, if your unit economics are, are through the roof, you know, it might be something to, to look at. And, but if you are, are on a steady growth plan um, and you know that you have a, a well-oiled machine and if you inject, you know, $10,000, $20,000, $100,000 into it, you know, you can absolutely reap the benefits a month, two months, three months down the road and then reinvest that again uh, to, to go from, say, a $100,000 seller to a million-dollar seller to a multi-million-dollar seller. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what you said about knowing yourself and this self-awareness in, in business is key because uh, it, it all depends on what your end goal is because I saw sellers who were financing the whole way just by reinvesting their profits and then there are sellers who rush to get external financing and just like uh, rush to get their nine months or 10 months that you mentioned of sales history to get approved. Uh, so it really depends on, the, uh, on how risk averse you are, depends on on the entrepreneur and the business and the unit economics, of course, because I mean, it's all about the cash flow. If it's solid, you can speed it up with marketing, with external financing. But right. if it's not, I mean, no matter how, how much money you pour into it, how much marketing spend you pour into it, you, you still going to end up with a bad business if your unit economics is not solid. Right. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the crisis and the pandemic that we're in right now. Uh, from your point of view, how has the COVID crisis uh, changed the state of the Amazon marketplace uh, and e-commerce in general? And I, I saw on your LinkedIn that uh, you were give, giving a talk about this earlier. So I wonder uh, what your point of view on that is. Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of COVID and the crisis and the global situation, it's, it's not always as great. You know, we've seen a lot of parts of the economy and in the world obviously have to shut down. Um, but in reality, the, the state of online sell, selling and the state of e-commerce has, has never been better. Uh, yeah. I saw a statistic that um, online e-commerce sales in the last eight months, so from when, oh, sorry, in the last eight weeks from about mid-March to mid, uh, till, sorry, March to, to the end of April grew about 11%. And to put that into perspective, over the previous 10 years, US retail, oh, sorry, US e-commerce sales grew about 11%. So we are seeing unprecedented growth driven by necessity. Um, do I think it's gonna stay? I think that number was about 27%. Do I think it's gonna stay at 27%? No, I think it'll probably level off a little bit. But in reality, you know, there's probably a, an entire new generation. You know, we always see like the younger generation more into the technology side of things, ordering online. But you know, it's definitely the the older generation that maybe had been hesitant to to order groceries online or hesitant to to order this, that, and the other. But you know, if they couldn't go to Bed Bath and Beyond and, and pick up bed sheets, or if they couldn't go you know, get whatever they need from a, from a normal store that, that, you know, that they would normally go to, they had to turn online. Um, so I think for the better, this will absolutely benefit Amazon and marketplace sellers uh, throughout the world. You know, I think that when the pandemic ends, I, you know, hopefully soon and, and hopefully they return to some sort of normalcy that we will still be in this, e-commerce or, or online focused world. I think groceries will absolutely return to uh, right. sort of in-store uh, because people like that, but also people would know that if they need, they have this other option to, to order online. Maybe they're 
less skeptical as they would have been previously. Totally. And I mean, if there is a benefit of this pandemic, it's totally e-commerce because I think that the con consumer behavior and the consumer habits are changing rapidly. I mean, I, just judging from personal experience, I mean, I haven't ordered a groceries online like ever. I just, I'm the in-store guy. And when right. London went into lockdown, I just had no other choice. So I discovered this online shopping. It was amazing. Like online groceries that they delivered to your door, just like straight away. My dad, who wasn't using Amazon, like he, he was just against Amazon. And right now he's ordering everything, like every week, a new package. So yeah, I mean, the consumer habits are changing. And um, I think that we'll see a growth in the e-commerce market just because of that, right? Because of this older generation that was hesitant before, and now they're avid users of uh, online marketplaces. And but I think if you talk about it a, a little bit more, is um, there's more education for the consumer revolving or surrounding buying online. Um, so many people didn't, for a while, didn't even know there was such a thing as a third-party seller, and they thought that everything came from Amazon, and Amazon was being the, the seller themselves. But as there's more education, more news stories about third-party sellers and how they actually interact with Amazon, like the, the buyer or the consumer understands that you're actually supporting in many ways, a small business and an, and an enterprise business, but you're supporting the small business by purchasing their items through the marketplace. Additionally, right. we, we can say you don't have to purchase through the marketplace. You could purchase through their own website or a different marketplace. And you know, you have to realize that for the small business, the marketplaces are giving as much traction uh, and exposure uh, as they can for, for these small businesses. Uh, and I think from a, from a small business perspective, you know, those businesses that were traditionally brick and mortar retail locations have seen a, a need to get online, whether they were reluctant to or, or just hadn't had the opportunity to, to pause their business and do it over the last 12 weeks now, they've had to do it. Um, so it's, right. it's definitely something that, you know, from a consumer perspective, from a small business perspective, Everyone is turning to retail, uh, sorry, towards e-commerce. Uh, uh, although retail is not dead, uh, it's it's probably further behind now than it's ever been. Yeah, and we're definitely going to be uh, f further to this, closer to this um, multi-channel strategy after the pandemic when the brick and mortar merges with the online experience. Uh, and I like that you mentioned that Amazon is really a saver for these small businesses. But on the other hand, it's still kind of hard to understand for, from the consumer perspective right. that you're not buying from Amazon as a marketplace, but you're buying from this particular small business. And I don't think that Amazon really wants to do that because mm -hmm. Amazon just wants to be this ecosystem uh, and just use the products that third-party sellers are providing it. Right. But uh, speaking of marketplaces, um, do you think that in this marketplace-driven world where you have Walmart, Etsy, eBay, uh, Amazon, do you even need considering selling via your own website, for example, like on Shopify, or should you go straight ahead to Amazon and these marketplaces? It's a really tough question because as a, a business owner or an inventor or whatever you are, um, you want to own as much rights and, and opportunity as you can. That being said, if you create your own Shopify or your own website, you're going to pay so much money to drive traffic 
to your own website that any sales that you make at least initially are going to you know net out or, or you might do at a loss because of the advertising cost that you're getting people to your site uh, I forget the number but you know where most uh, searches used to begin on Google uh, now in terms of buying online a majority of the searches do begin actually on Amazon uh, so if you look into the opportunity that Amazon and other marketplaces provide you the exposure as we were talking about before you know it, it's it's unparalleled it's unmatched um, you know if yes within Amazon it's a competitive market or world and, and you might have to bid on different keywords and you know to make sure you are are the best position for your product but at the same time it, it's probably less than you'll have to pay to, to bid on things on Google or, or to bid on other forms of, of advertising to drive people to your actual site. So what I would say is the end goal should always be to have your own website where people are going to organically search for your product or organically find your website through uh, advertising and exposure that you do on your sales on the marketplace. So if you sell something that's you know, a recurring item, like some sort of home good item that people might purchase you know one time a month or every six months or something like that you know yes they found you on Amazon but it doesn't mean they have to go back to Amazon to buy you again or, or back right, to the marketplace right. to buy you again so once you have that established brand uh, that's where I think it makes sense for you to create that Shopify solution you know if someone is just going to Amazon and looking for any sort of glassware or any sort of cutlery you know they're just gonna buy that they don't necessarily look at the brand but if you have some sort of differentiator with your brand that is you know creating something different then it makes sense to, to create somewhere where those sellers can or, or those sorry those buyers can go find your product directly organically as well right I mean at the end of the day you do want to own all your assets and you do want to own this direct relationship with your customer but as you said um, Amazon and these marketplaces are really uh, their main asset and their main uh, value proposition I would say is traffic and just marketing and they give you Absolutely. exposure so a good strategy for a new seller would be to go on these platforms to gain this initial exposure and visibility to build sales history to make money and then to diversify and to own this direct relationship with your uh, customers 100%. Yeah, totally agree uh, that's my thought at least <laughs> Yeah, 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 I totally agree. Um, I have one last question for you, TJ. It's our traditional question from Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One. Uh, it's a question for entrepreneurs, but I, we ask it anyway, uh, even people who don't own a business like yourself. Um, it goes like this. What is your contrarian view that goes against commonly accepted notions in the industry? So what truth do very few people agree with you on? I... I think from a seller perspective, I think from my experience is that there, there's a notion that selling internationally uh, is difficult. Listing your products from a, from a seller perspective is quite easy to do uh, on international markets. And, and why I say that, and I say that because between the marketplaces and between others solutions, it, it's never been easier. Yes, if we look at this maybe five, 10 years ago, it might've been pretty difficult. But if you are based in the US, fulfilling your products via FBA in the US, you know, shipping them to a warehouse in 
Kentucky or in Texas or whatever, what's the difference between shipping it to Kentucky and shipping it to the UK? From there, you don't have anything to do with it. Yes, you can control your, your marketing budget, but if you're gonna control your marketing budget in the US, you're gonna control your marketing budget in the UK. Same thing, and, and that's what the, the power of marketplaces, especially Amazon, has have done. And I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of FBA. I think it's really levels the playing field and really promotes global business. Um, so just to, to recap, my contrarian view is people think that selling internationally is hard and difficult and, and a lot of hurdles. And yes, there, there's steps that you need to do to get things set up. But once everything is set up, it should be able to run and it would be able to run like a well-oiled machine as, as your domestic business or, or any other business that you have. Yeah. And I mean, with Amazon, you have all these different marketplaces uh, and you could just pick any and sell there. And it doesn't really make a difference, as you mentioned, selling in, in the United States or on Europe. But I think right. that a lot of sellers might have... Um, uh, fear of these international payments and international revenues, but that's where you guys come in at Payoneer and you do right. help uh, sellers manage their cross-border trade. Uh, do, by the way, do you uh, work with wholesale sellers? Those who sell in bulk? Uh, sure. Bulk. So, so if people were selling in bulk, do you, are you talking about like Vendor Central? If they're yeah, selling yeah, to yeah, Amazon yeah. in bulk or, yeah, I, I mean, in regards to payments, we, we can really help with anything. So whether you know, you're selling on the marketplace and you need to get paid from the marketplace on a wholesale or a per, per, per order basis. Additionally, we talked about paying VAT, but if you needed to pay any vendors or suppliers, if you needed to pay your supplier in China and you wanted to pay in, in local currency, um, we can help with that. And you know, one of the really great parts about Payoneer is the network uh, that we've created over the last 15 years is because we have over 4 million users on the network. And the best part is, is any payment from Payoneer user to another Payoneer user is completely for free. So if you had funds in your Payoneer account and your supplier in China was a Payoneer user, you could pay directly to them using Payoneer funds for free. You don't have to worry about exchange or cross-border payments or international wire fees or anything like that. So just kind of smooth out the process. And, you know, one of our, our slogans or our mantras is uh, to go beyond. Uh, and, and what that really means to us is to enable sellers and to enable small businesses and medium-sized businesses to go beyond what they thought was possible. So if, if they thought that, you know, their business could do X, we want them to do X plus Y plus C. Um, and through that is, is breaking down the barriers of, of international payments, breaking down the stigma of, you know, this is complicated and this is something that I'm not really sure about. You know, on our solution, using our currency accounts, we have people who have just started business, you know, just started selling on Amazon, all the way up to CFOs of, of you know, really, really, really multi-million dollar companies. And we've made our platform intuitive enough and sort of key turn so that someone who's just getting started and a, a CFO with a business and finance degree are able to use the platform and, and take advantage of it uh, just the same. I think that's a great note to wrap up our interview. Thanks a lot, TJ. Uh, if people want to connect with you or learn more about you, where should we send them? Absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn, as you mentioned, which is TJ Highland, H-Y-L-A-N-D, or my email. You can email me directly. It's tjhy at payoneer.com. Awesome. Thank you, TJ. All right. Thanks, Sergio. Have a good day.
You are listening to the Seller Scale Podcast. Join us for a free trial at sellerscale.com.